Father, we just want to say thank you for your goodness and your love to us. And Lord, we want to say thank you that all of the worst of this weather was far north of us and really didn't affect us here. Lord, we're thankful for safe travel, uh, all the miles on the road, all the opportunities to have had some accident happen. And Lord, we don't attribute that to our excellent driving as much as we, uh, Lord, attribute it to your protection over us. And we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that we can trust you to work, and we thank you that you do answer prayer and all of the wonderful things that you have done to allow our church to participate in the way that it has at the Home Missions Conference, working there at Union, bringing people out and there at Morris Park. And Lord, we're just thankful that we can expect to see your hand establish those churches. We thank you for... Uh, what's going on at community, and Lord, the fact that we get to have a small part in all of these ministries. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, Brother Andrew. And uh, Do be careful. One thing they were certainly right about is the deep freeze. Uh, I think it dropped 10 degrees. We were just walking down to get a cup of coffee, and on the way home, it was colder than on the way down. So... Uh, be careful, uh, bundle up, and uh, watch the uh, exposure of the skin. It, uh, but praise the Lord, this cold snap is supposed to be gone by Tuesday. And so, uh, praise the Lord for that. And let's take our Bibles as we are working through um, the Gospels. This is our, our fifth lesson and uh, we are going to, we divided this up so far, the beginning, this is before the first Passover uh, of Jesus' earthly ministry, and uh, we are in uh, John chapter 1, and what we have is Jesus beginning to call his disciples in verse 35, this is where we uh, ended two weeks ago, and uh, and in verse 35 says again, the next day after, John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They say, uh, said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he, he saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it is about the tenth hour. And so we have John giving us this example here. And Jesus begins to call his disciples. And, and again, we have a connection here. Uh, Andrew and Philip, which were the two of John's disciples, they were first John's disciples. All of the disciples, as far as we know, were baptized uh, by John the Baptist. And they had given a testimony of repentance. They had given a public testimony uh, of their inward repentance by being baptized by John. In fact, Andrew and Philip here were John's disciples. They followed him. 
And as John was standing there the day after he had announced Jesus, he points and he says, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. We, we uh, touched on this, that John's message changed after the baptism of Jesus. Before it was repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now it's behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It, here is the testimony. Here is the one we are looking for. And so, uh, we, I, I love this story here. It's uh, the end of the day, and as far as we understand, we have uh, uh, Peter was a fisherman, but he was down in, uh, excuse me, uh, he, he was a, a fisherman here, and Andrew goes and he finds Peter, his brother Simon actually, and he brings him to Jesus and says in verse 41, we have found the Messiah, or the Greek form of the word Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And uh, I love the way that John uh, does this. He handles the languages and the differences. Rabbi is the Hebrew word for master or teacher. And he talks about the Messiah being the Jewish term for the chosen one, Christ, and the word Messiah are equal words, just different languages. It is the same term. It means the anointed, the chosen one. And, uh, and just be careful because you will hear that phraseology even a lot to this day. Uh, I think it was four or five years ago, it was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was um, uh, Dodge Motor Company. Uh, had a whole string of advertisements talking about the chosen one. Uh, and it was supposed to be a play on the Hindu idea, but every time that is used, and it is used in the Hindu religion very much, uh, talking about their gurus, uh, they are using the same term that we use for Jesus Christ for uh, the Messiah as they, that is the same term they use for their gurus. They believe that they are chosen ones of their gods. And of course, the Hindu religion boasts, uh, when I was a kid, they talked about uh, 330,000 gods, and today they talk about 330 million gods. So uh, I don't know how the numbers get bigger. I, I guess it's just... Uh, uh, Maybe I'm not remembering right, but uh, I remember when I was in uh, biology in high school, they said that we had uh, three billion cells in the human body, and now they say there are ten trillion. I, uh, I haven't put that much weight on. I know that. Uh, but the simple truth of the matter is, we have all of these things going around, but we have Andrew... Uh, and Philip and Andrew finds Peter. He brings him to Jesus. And, and Jesus all of a sudden gives a lot of attention to Peter. And verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus. When Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Uh, sometimes in your Bible you'll see Bar Jonah, which is the Hebrew word for son of uh, he beheld, when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone, 
And the Greek of, of the Hebrew Cephas is Peter. And so we have uh, Peter uh, here, and Jesus gives him a special title uh, and special attention. And we find Andrew very pleased to just follow Jesus no matter what, that he does not receive that attention. Peter would be part of the three inner circle disciples, Peter, James, and John. And Andrew was content to follow the Lord Jesus. And uh, just, uh, uh, we don't have time to talk about all of that lesson that's right there. And so, we have Jesus heading uh, toward Galilee. And Philip finds Nathaniel. And uh, Philip uh, was of Bethsaida, the same city. And Nathaniel comes and he says... Can any good thing, verse 46, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And uh, this, from what we understand, is part of our, uh, we talk about understanding the Bible culturally in its historical setting in order to keep everything literal. Uh, if we wanted to put this in the utter vernacular, uh, do we have any scholars from hillbilly country? Uh, might be what we would say today. I mean, uh, are, are there any Rhodes Scholars from Kentucky or uh, West Virginia? And um, uh, the, the point simply is Nazareth was not uh, considered a uh, premier place to live. It was the backwaters. It was where the, the simple folk, I mean... If you want to see people running around barefoot in their uh, bib overalls, as uh, we would in the 1930s and, and at what is now Appalachia, uh, in those states there, this is what Nazareth was known for. And so, and Jesus, the Messiah, was supposed to come from where? Bethlehem. He was the descendant of David. Of course, we've already taken care of that in Luke's accounts, haven't we? And in Matthew's as well. And, and so, uh, then Jesus does something very strange here. And verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in his whom, in whom is no guile. So here we have Nathanael with all of his skepticism walking up behind Philip to meet Jesus. And Jesus kind of bypasses Philip and says, we have an Israelite here that knows the Word of God, that understands the truth, that nobody can fool or trick. And he's going, wow, what kind of greeting is this? Uh, and then Jesus tells him, Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Now here's what Jesus did. When the scribes and the Pharisees came seeking a sign and proof that Jesus was who he was, what did he do? He said, There shall be no sign given unto you but that of the prophet Jonas, a wicked and adulterous generation, seeketh a sign. In John chapter 6, he said, You've already seen all the signs and wonders that you're going to get from me and you won't believe, and so I'm not going to give you any more. But he takes a moment here to give Nathaniel something that will help Nathaniel understand who Jesus is. See, I want you to get this. 
Jesus doesn't expect our faith to just simply be ridiculous, blind faith as the world accuses us of. He will give you what you need. I mean, that's what the whole purpose of the Bible is, is to give you a basis for your faith. You know, every fact that is in this book, everything that is related in this Bible that we can verify by history is 100% accurate. Everything that is in this Bible that deals with scientific knowledge is 100% accurate. Our faith is based on fact. And the only way that uh, the world can get around that is they just deny the facts. Uh, One of my favorite stories was the Hittites are mentioned throughout the Old Testament. And now this is going back to the turn of the last century. In the 1800s, there was a lot of skepticism coming out of Germany in the late 1800s and here in America. Uh, the Northern Baptist Convention had just won the Civil War, and so they felt like it was their job to establish the kingdom uh, of God on earth. I, uh, I always uh, cringe a little bit when I hear some of those uh, uh, songs. You know, uh, we have uh, America the Beautiful, uh, Thine Alabaster Cities Gleam Undimmed by Human Tears. Whoa, that's, that's not talking about America. Uh, that is language that belongs only to the New Jerusalem. Uh, and, uh, some, and there's a, a verse in um, the Battle Hymn of the Republic that just gets a, a little lofty in its vision and its understanding of who we are as Americans. But this was part of the mentality of that time at the turn of the century. And they laughed and joked and ridiculed and said, There's no such people as the Hittites. If there were, we would know about them. Then on about 1904, 1906-something, one of those really smart archaeologists was over there digging in a hole, and all of a sudden he hit the wrong spot. And he fell 10 or 15 feet down. You know what happened? He had just punched a hole through the roof of the library of the Hittite Empire and uncovered one of the greatest treasure troves of historical artifacts and information and found out that the Bible was right again. Oh, I just love it, don't you? And But Jesus here gives Nathaniel, he said, I saw thee. Now, how could Jesus, who was standing there talking to Andrew and Peter, at the very same time see Philip sitting under a fig tree, at a distant place beyond natural eyesight. Well, what Jesus was doing here is saying, I am God. I am the one who sees all. I can see you. I can see everyone. Now, Nathaniel didn't take him long to get it. Look what he does. Nathaniel answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Nathaniel was not just throwing phrases out here. Only God could see two places at the same time, especially one where he wasn't. Amen? And Nathaniel caught what Jesus said, and he got down on his knees and worshipped him as God. And Jesus gives him and says, 
Because I said unto thee that I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he said, saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see the heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And so, uh, we already have uh, testimony that when Jesus was tempted, the angels came and ministered to him. Uh, we have uh, when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, we have uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says angels came and strengthened him. There were, and when Jesus ascended into heaven, he ascended and who was standing there? The angels were standing there saying, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing up into heaven? There were angels at the tomb, though we're not quite sure Philip was at the empty tomb, but uh, or Nathaniel there. But we we understand, and Jesus was just simply giving him confirmation here. And then we get chapter two, and this was the first miracle. And of course, all of the wine bibbers love uh, John chapter two. Jesus made water into wine. It's okay. Well, you know, I've never met anyone who was promoting alcoholic beverage that was content with wine. Uh, it was always wine and beer and uh, hard liquor on the special occasions. And, uh, you know, it wasn't that they were content. And by the way, Jesus did not make alcohol. We've, we've spent a great deal of time on that uh, in the past. And uh, if you are curious there... Um, See uh, Andrew or Hannah, and they'll try to get you copies of the uh, series that we have done on several occasions on uh, alcohol and the Bible. And uh, so uh, it says, And the third day, a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set, I'm sorry, and there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Now, how many of you know what a firkin is? Uh, it's roughly a measure of five or six gallons in, in our imperial measurement. These were, so if you have, uh, 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 where, where are we here? Uh, two or three firkins, what you have here is roughly something between 15 and 20 gallons. And uh, uh, so, I mean, this is not a... Uh, a little pot. I mean, this would be a a, uh, a substantial amount. And there was uh, uh, six of these uh, pots there. And Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And that was the traditional uh, way of doing this. And again, you have to understand what was going on. The marriage uh, was a time of several days of feasting, and it was really and truly all about the groom, his ability to provide for his family and 
And uh, there were uh, apparently a lot of people. It, it was one of those things where everybody in the whole area was invited to be a part. And apparently there was not ample provision made. And they ran out. And this would have been a very embarrassing thing. This would have been um, a mark uh, against him. And we have Jesus intervening here in a miraculous way. And they bear the water to the governor. And he calls the bridegroom and says, Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, that doesn't mean well drunk in. That means that they have had their fill. Uh, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. Here's the key. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. This is the key to the whole passage. Jesus took advantage of the opportunity here to show his glory to his disciples. The only people that really knew what happened at this point were the disciples and the servants who carried the water to uh, the, uh, the governor of the feast, the uh, moderator of the event, only to find out that what they had in their pitcher was no more water but grape juice. And they enjoyed this, and the disciples understood. And after this, he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brethren and his disciples. And they continued not many days. So here we have Jesus traveling to Capernaum. This would be his headquarters for his uh, most of his ministry here. He grew up in Nazareth, but Capernaum right there on the Sea of Galilee would be the headquarters, and now we begin uh, uh, what has been designated the first full year of Jesus' ministry. We're going to have his first Passover in Jerusalem until his second Passover. And Jesus celebrated the best we understand in the Bible, three Passovers, and then he was uh, crucified and rose again from the dead. And so we're going to take this first year here, and we have the references here. It's a fairly small passage of Scripture. It is John who gives us the largest narrative of this, uh, uh, of this main time. And so the first Passover Jesus celebrated, and you'll find your Scripture references uh, all uh, right here. And we start in verse 13. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house and house of merchandise." Now, I remember uh, when we were on deputation, um, we would travel to churches and uh, I was always very, very careful to check with the pastor. Uh, we did not sign people up for our prayer letter who were members of the churches. If the pastor wanted to 
pass that information along. We sent our prayer letters to uh, the church because we wanted to keep that in authority. And there are churches uh, that refuse to sell anything in the church because of this statement, make not mine house and house of merchandise. Uh, now, you have to be careful. Um, we have a little bookstore, but we make... We, we do not make a profit on our bookstore. Uh, what we're trying to do is provide good books for you to get. And we try to pass on as much as we can uh, the discounts that we get so that you can get, you want to buy uh, a good Bible, a nice quality Bible. I'll tell you, you'll get a better price at our bookstore than just about anywhere. And if you don't like what we have, talk to people. And we'll try uh, talk to Andrew and Hannah. And if they don't know where to get it, I'll find out, and we'll we'll find a place. If you, uh, but this is not what was going on here. How many of you remember how the sacrificial sales worked at the temple? Number one, if you were going to offer a sacrifice, it had to be approved by the temple. So, an ordinary dove. You could go out in, in the Old Testament. You were expected to go out and just catch your own birds that you could bring to the tabernacle for the sacrifice. didn't work in Jerusalem. They had to be temple approved. And, of course, they were three and four, who knows how many times the market price they would inflate those things. And also the temple in Jerusalem had its own currency. You see, they didn't want the filthy, wicked Roman money being in the temple. And so you brought your Roman uh, pennies and other coins, and you traded it in for the temple shekel, and then you could buy your sacrifices and participate in your worship. Well, money was by weight. And so uh, it used to be one of the jokes, the most expensive piece of meat in town was the butcher's thumb that he put on the scale, right? Uh and uh, uh, what they would do is they would weigh you in light. And so if you had so many ounces of silver or copper or whatever, you always found out that the temple shekels came out a little shorter than you thought it would. And then when you went to the second table to get your temple shekels, then they weighed you out light and they stole away from you again. They, they stole from you coming and going and then charged you triple the price. And they set this all up in the court of the Gentiles, where most of us in this auditorium, we are Gentiles. If we were alive in Jesus' day, we wanted to worship at the temple in Jerusalem. We, had to, we would have to do our prayers and our reverence to God amidst the, the sheep and the oxen and the uh, birds and all of the things uh, of, and those animals, by the way, were animals. So they did what they did right there in the compound where the Gentiles were supposed to pray. This is what angered Jesus, was the thievery and the careless concern for those who were not Jewish that could pray at the temple. And so Jesus literally drove them out. He turned the tables over. He was not talking about Selling things in the church. What he was talking about was cheating people. What he was talking about was making merchandise of the people of God. Now, I'm, I'm happy we haven't gotten too many calls here of late, but 
boy, uh, about three years ago, it seemed like every week we had some medical lab calling us up wanting to do free screenings in the church. Now, how many of you know how that works? Is you come in, you get a free screening, and then they find something and charge you lots of money. And uh, there's another company, uh, several companies called us. It just seemed like that was the year, four or five years ago there, uh, that they wanted to uh, uh, a telephone service, uh, sign your people up and you'll get free telephone service. And, uh, and we just said, listen, we don't do that. We're, we're not making the church a place of merchandise. We sell good Christian books in our bookstore, help you get Bibles. That's not what was going on here. We're not merchandising the people of God. We're not going to let the church become exactly what they had done here. And the verse 18, we have the first question. This is going to come back. Uh, then answered the Jews. Now, of course, this is the religious leaders. What sign showest thou unto us, seeing thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. Wherefore, when therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed. What, what did they believe there? Well, wait a minute. What was the scripture? Do you get what John is doing here? He is telling us the spoken words of Jesus in his earthly ministry were Scripture. So we can trust the words of God. Jesus' words are on the same level as the Scriptures of the Old Testament. There is no break in Old and New Testament. This is God's Word. Verse 23, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. John gives us a little summary here. And then in John chapter 3, the first part of this chapter, he gives us the story of Nicodemus. Now, if you want to be able to witness to someone and give them the gospel, this uh, passage right here, John chapter 3, is one of the best places in the Bible to give someone the gospel. Because you have everything you need here. And uh, I I can't tell you how many times I have uh, over the years just read someone, someone says, well, what does it mean to be saved? I'm glad you asked. Let's go to John chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And uh, I like to give a little background information. The Pharisees were the strictest religious group. You had to memorize Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That was test one on the Pharisee exam. Uh, So these people knew the Bible. Uh, They studied the Scriptures more than any of the other groups. He was also a ruler of the Jews. Nicodemus had everything that anybody could want as far as religious uh, achievement was concerned. He was of the Pharisees. 
He was a ruler of the Jews. He had political authority. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, one of the elders of Israel. And he comes to Jesus. And, of course, Jesus upset a lot of people when he cleansed the temple there and drove out the money changers and all of those things. That really disrupted what was going on. And we have Nicodemus trying to extend a hand of friendship here, really. He, he goes to Jesus by night so there'd be no uh, attendant uh, distraction with people and other things. And here's what he says, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now, do you think Nicodemus was the only Pharisee that understood this? I, I want to challenge you, every Pharisee understood this. Every person in Jerusalem understood that Jesus was not just another false prophet. That Jesus was not just another teacher. When Jesus met the blind man, he got his eyes back. When Jesus met the crippled man, he walked away. When Jesus met the uh, the sick, they were healed and the demon possessed. They saw the miracles. Jesus went about three and a half years doing Miracle after miracle, John, at the end of this book, said, if we were just to write down everything that we were supposed to write, he said, I don't even suppose the world itself could contain all the books that should be written, just giving the testimony of Jesus. And so, uh, Jesus went to this Passover, people believed on him, Nicodemus comes, they have the conversation here, and... Uh, uh, we have Jesus explaining to Nicodemus, verse 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And uh, we, we have Jesus finally finishing here in verse 10, saying, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak what we know. What we do know and testify what we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man. And what's that last phrase there in verse 13? Which is in heaven. I've heard people claim that Jesus never made a claim to be God. Well, wait a minute. Nathaniel got the oppression, now didn't he? When Jesus said, I saw thee under the fig tree, he said, Thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. He understood what Jesus was saying. And right here, Jesus is telling the religious leaders in Jerusalem, He's telling Nicodemus. He's saying, No one has seen God, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, talking about himself, which is in heaven, present tense. Jesus said, listen, I am here and I am in heaven at the very same time because I am the God of the Bible. Jesus was making this claim. He did so from the very beginning, the earliest part of his Ministry, And 
We come here to John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, uh, we finish this section up in verse 22. It says, After these things came Jesus and His disciples into the land of Judea, and there He tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Anon near Salim because there was much water there and they came and were baptized for John was not yet cast into prison. And so here we have Jesus retiring from Jerusalem, going down to the Jordan Valley, the Jordan River. There was much water there. John is baptizing and preaching his message in one place, and Jesus is not very far away preaching the same words that John preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And his disciples did the baptizing as Jesus was there. And we have John giving a final testimony uh, of who Jesus is. And uh, uh, they... they uh, we finish this here and, and look at the last verses. Here that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You know, salvation is something we must get. You, you are born on the road to eternal judgment. You are born on the path to hell. The only way you get off of that is by the intervention of Jesus Christ. Can we say amen to that? And so the message has not changed. And we get to uh, chapter 4 here. And we have the story of the woman at the well. Jesus is returning from Jerusalem back to Galilee after the first Passover. He's cleansed the temple. He told Nathaniel who he was. He told uh, Nicodemus, who he was, and now he's going to stop and tell the woman at the well who he is. And uh, we have this story, one we're very familiar with. Jesus does not um, play games here. He, he cuts right to the heart of the matter. She, in verse 9 how is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now, I don't claim to know everything but, uh, about the history and the culture of this time, but uh, they, those who claim to have studied this said that there was a common prayer among the Jews. Uh, I thank you that I'm not a woman, I'm not a dog, and I'm not a Samaritan. Uh, that was one of their favorite prayers they would repeat. Now, that, that puts the Samaritans pretty low on the list now, doesn't it? And yet, this was a woman of Samaria. I mean, she flunked all three tests. If, if this was uh, a true testimony of the uh, arrogant prayer of the self-righteous person, and she's going... I know how you Jews feel about us Samaritans. Now, how many of you remember where the Samaritans came from? They were the mixture of the Jewish people 
and the other peoples that the king of Assyria moved in when he uh, took away the, the ten northern tribes of Israel, depleted the land of Israel. He brought other people in and moved them into the area. The Bible tells us lions went about them. And so the king of Syria said, take a prophet, uh, take one of their priests, send them back so they can learn about the God of the land. And so it says that they worshiped the God of the Bible, but then they worshiped their own gods. And they came up with their own traditions. In fact, uh, a very famous document is the Samaritan Pentateuch which does not differ greatly from the uh, uh, Hebrew Pentateuch, other than it's in another language. And, but their religion was their set of traditions. And so she's going, why are you even, why would you let me give you a drink of water? I mean, you go into certain neighborhoods in New York City and you can't even get directions. Uh, because the Jewish people will not talk to you if you're not Jewish, if you don't have on the garb and that big hat. And uh, How many of you have ever experienced that? I sure have. I got lost in a neighborhood one time. Can you give me directions? And the guy just walked on past me as if I didn't exist. After that happened two or three times, I figured, well, I'm not getting directions from anybody here. And so we just got back in the truck and, and wandered around until we found our way out of there. Um, the simple truth of the matter is, Jesus cares about souls. Amen? And of course, if he was going to pick a bad one, I don't think he could have done much worse than what he did right here. Uh, we find later that Jesus addressed the issue of her sin. She had had five husbands and she was living with someone else. Uh, Nothing on Elizabeth Taylor here. I mean, if you remember her. Uh, just the wickedness of man is nothing new. But Jesus will save anyone who will come to him. Amen. Good news. We find Mr. Nicodemus there at the burial of Jesus on the day of his crucifixion with Joseph of Arimathea. Amen. Uh, and Jesus gives testimony to her. And we come down here. And uh, uh, verse 39, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this indeed is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. In verse 43, now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee. And that's where we're going to end tonight. So Jesus cleansed the temple, his first Passover, drove out the money. He's going to do that again, his last Passover. And uh, we have Jesus telling Nicodemus. Well, Nathaniel first, Nicodemus, and then uh, John's final testimony of how Jesus is the one that takes away the sin of the world and the woman at the well. Please understand one thing. The gospel message is simply this, that Jesus Christ is the only Savior of mankind. That believing on Him is the only way that we can be saved from our sins.
And all God's people said, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask that you would help us during this prayer time and give us grace to be your servants. We'll take just a moment before we finish that prayer. If you need to spend a few moments at the altar or pray in your seat, you may do so. Then we'll get into our prayer request time.